hello, hello, everybody. What's up? Hello, guys. You're listening to Young, Black, and Married. It's your man, Justin. And it's Ariel. We are here. We are back. Back at you for episode five for Young, Black, and Married. Thank you so much for um, being on this journey with us. We appreciate all the feedback that we've heard in person. Haven't got too many emails just yet, but um, we, we expect those to roll in. But before we kick off this episode, we'd like to start off with our why why we liked why we want to do this and ultimately we just want to encourage strong marriages and relationships to entertain and to educate or edutain if you will we're expecting you to be blessed inspired encouraged to keep advancing and moving in life as we do the same yes as we do the same so before we start this episode off we would like to give a warning Yeah, so warning, um, today's episode deals with a topic that can be a trigger for some. Um, So it contains content that might not be um, suitable for young listeners. So um, just letting that be known at the beginning of the episode. Yes, yes, yes. So we're going to start off segment one with a wisdom word. The wisdom word is, you get through what you're going through by knowing where you're going to. You get through where you're going through by knowing where you're going to. And then what that can look like in a Christian walk. Um, at the end of this life, um, if for the, for the believers in Jesus Christ, um, that looks like sanctification. It's a, it's a long process and we have this long life I mean even though it's, it's short on the time span but we have a lot of ups and downs and a lot of um, low highs and lows and everybody can attest that they've had some lows and sometimes those lows can be really really low dark seasons and but um, there's encouragement in knowing that there's um, a greater place than where we where we are right now uh, mm-hmm. on earth uh, there's encouragement and, and peace and joy in knowing that we will um, no longer have tears, no longer have worries, no longer have death, um, all these things that the world um, has, um, we've, I guess, cursed, been cursed with. Hmm. So there's peace and encouragement in that by knowing where you're going to. Hmm. That's good. All right, so today we've kind of got a heavy, a heavy topic. Um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about our journey through infertility and miscarriage, um, a journey that's really personal and it's something that many people will struggle with, and oftentimes they kind of struggle in silence or you know they have their group of people that might be aware of it, but. Um, We've kind of been in the midst of this for some years, um, going on three years, and it is very applicable to marriage. And as we have our podcast about marriage, uh, this is definitely a topic that um, needs to be talked about and addressed because there are people going through it that could use the encouragement. So our segment one is our story or our journey to pregnancy. Yeah, that's segment one. Uh, We're starting off this segment with why we felt led to share our story. Kind of said it already. Um, It can feel very isolated when you're dealing with infertility or miscarriage. You can feel like you're on an island. And um, I know while I was going through this journey at some points, I was listening to podcasts or like stories on YouTube or just asking people questions. It was like I wanted to hear stories um, to feel some type of like community or it, it, you know, it was just this desire to know that you're not the only one and how did other people deal with this and how did this look? Um, And so really we're sharing our story to help someone else. Right, right. And as a man, um, well, and just as a newlywed is... First of all, it's just something that's not talked about that often. 
um, just in, I guess, in day-to-day life. Um, like she said, people are in, you know, silence about this a lot. So there's not really too much talk or, I mean, there is plenty of information out there, but not necessarily until you get really introduced into, you know, that kind of life. Um, so, yeah. So when did we decide to have kids? We decided, uh, I think we initially said we would do a year of marriage together or close to two years. Yeah, we said two. Yeah, two years. Yeah, two years. Um, that was actually one of the more repetitious um, words of wisdom mm-hmm. people kept giving us before we got married um, was to wait to have kids. Yes, we got that a lot. Yes, we got that a whole lot. To enjoy marriage. To enjoy marriage, enjoy being young and do things, get things done, all this other stuff. But um, little did we know, uh, the wait wouldn't be necessarily voluntary. Hmm. Yeah, so at the beginning we decided, okay, two years, we'll have some years together, and then we'll start actively trying for kids. Um, We didn't quite wait two years. It was like a year and a half. I remember it was July when we were like, okay, let's start trying for kids. Yeah. Um, Neither, well, I wasn't of the idea that this would, that it would be easy um, because I, I had some issues in my body that I knew that were there, and so... I already started off with this thought process that this probably is not going to be as easy for me as it might be for someone else. So, I mean, we, you know, I talked to you about that. I think I probably... Yeah, yeah you brought it up a, a few times before. Right. And so um, I knew it would be some... I knew it would be a journey. I knew it would be maybe longer than we wanted, maybe. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I was fully expecting it to like work out. Right. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, we were. He was very positive and very like. I don't know how would you say like what would be your. I don't know Opti- your mind's optimistic. optimistic, right? Certain <laughs> that it would happen, and so I guess month one went by, and then month two, month three, month four. Mm-hmm. Um, during the process, like we're having conversations, we're talking, we're um, not stressing about it too much, but yeah, we're picturing things, you know, like oh, this is gonna be this way, yeah, um, you know, hope we have the boy first, etc. He helped we have the boy, first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as the time was going on, I just was realizing that my medical issues were kind of hindering the actual process of having a baby. But, you know, I don't know if anyone's walking down an infertility journey. You've heard the statistic that it after a year you have not conceived, then um, go to the fertility doctor because um, it's something along the lines of like 80 to not 80 to 85 percent of people will conceive after a year of actively trying. So doctors like for you to wait a year especially if you're young and we were 25 i was about 25 26 so yeah we were still young um so i knew that it would have to be a year before we went in for some doctor support some medical support so we were just trying and during that time i'm like a i'm a natural type person so i'm trying out herbs i'm trying out like teas yeah at one point, I went plant-based for nine months um, just to, like, clean, cleanse my body, heal my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but during this journey, I felt a lot of pressure to fix my body, I guess, because I knew something was wrong with it, and I was under the impression that if I, you know, got my diet under control and exercise and this or that, that it would help pregnancy come easier and quicker. Um, so I did a lot of different things with my diet during this time. Right. Yeah, and I just kind of was constantly researching things. I was constantly online trying to see something new, um, learning this new herb, or it was just a constant thing. And I 
had a lot of anxiety about it. Yeah. After probably about after like eight to nine months or a year, I just kind of was, I had some anxiety about it. Yeah, there was some real nervousness there because, yeah, uh, we were approaching that that year mark fast Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of confusing because, you know, you tend to think it's like, oh, this is going to be not that hard. Right. So... Yeah, anxiety sets in, and then you just start to get, like, nervous because you're just like, hmm, this isn't going the way I planned. Were you nervous? I know I was nervous, but were you? Because you seemed very optimistic. I was I was very certain. I was just like, it just hasn't happened yet. Right. That's how I was. Right. Yeah. I was more so, you know, worried for you because mm-hmm. I wanted you to be, you know, comforted and hopeful. And during this time, I'm not a very public person. You know, if we're having a conversation and we're kind of deep in conversation, I have I don't have a problem with sharing my story, but I I just don't lead lead the conversation with that. So I don't know if many people knew that we were going through this. No, was, very very few people. Yeah, it wasn't many. Even still to this day, many in my family didn't even know. Um, but one thing that I found, like, once I spoke to people about it, um, the advice I got, I'm sure it's great advice, but it just felt, at that time... It felt, like, dry and, like, emotionless and, like, a bottom... <laughs> yeah, it felt, like, dismissive to yeah. uh, what I was going through. And I don't know, you know, I was young, I'm still young, but a lot of these people are older and wiser, and so they're like, you know, don't try, stop trying. So that was something that I heard often and it just didn't speak into my, it just didn't help me. Yeah. Maybe because I was trying too hard or maybe because I knew I had a medical issue that I was thinking to myself, well, if I don't try, it's not going to happen at all. I don't, you know, um, that one was a tough advice. Did you get any advice during that time? Um, no. You didn't? Yeah. (laughs) That was like the number one, like, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. It's going to happen when it happens. That was pretty much what I heard during that time when I did, you know, mention it to people. And that advice at that point was just not helpful for me. And I'm not saying the people that gave me that advice were wrong. Just to me, it just... It felt so dismissive. You know, you're struggling and wanting something for 12 months, 365 days, and you, you know, in a vulnerable point, tell someone what you're going through and they say, well, stop trying. And I'm like, oh, it's almost like that. You'll know when you know advice. Yeah, (laughs) but a little worse. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we went through the first year like that. Um, Trying researching pressure i didn't feel like i i'm a fixer and i felt like i could fix myself yeah um so that was the first year the next year rolls around and um pretty much in the same place i don't think my emotions changed too much yeah well you got a little bit more you were a lot more you know discouraged about it because you was really wanting to see things move. Mm-hmm. I guess, you no, know, you were, you emotionally, you were kind of in the same place somewhat, but like you got to a point where you would get discouraged about it quicker. Mm. Like if, you know, if the conversation came. Right. And of course, it's completely understandable. Yeah. And of course, during this plant, during this time, it's like a year and a half, and children are being born, and and that's a joyful thing. And never want to take away joy from other people having children. That's like a wonderful, joyful thing for a couple dealing with infertility. Um, as the numbers grow and it happens over and over and it's not you, there is this sense of, what is it? It's just a sense of like woundedness or pain. It's just like a reminder of what you don't have. Right. It's Yeah. And it's kind of like in your face because, you know, it almost seems like, man, how is everybody in the world that we know or barely know having kids now? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once you get married or, you know, once you're in the, you know, mid to late 20s that we are, you know, people around you, that's kind of like 
around the prime time, you know, early 30s, mid 30s, people, you know, start having kids. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, this is like the culture that we're in. Mm -hmm. And it's just. It's just, it's just a rapid. It's everywhere. Yeah, it is. It's, and I don't know if it's you notice it more because you're trying or is it just happening more? Probably happening more. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it was like almost like an every week thing for, yeah. for a good minute. And so it was difficult um, at that time because, like I said, it was kind of like a reminder of like, man, we're trying. It's not there for us yet. But you're still joyful for other people that are having that experience. Um, and it's kind of... You just, I don't know. It's, it's almost like a back seat. It's like you're, <laughs> it's like you're taking a back seat and you're not really experiencing it and you're just watching other yeah. people live what you would like to live, I guess. Um, right. All the while, it's very helpful to keep everything in perspective and know who you are in Christ, know who you are, know your purpose, and know that children don't make your purpose. Right. During this stage, I wasn't that clear in my head. I mm. think I was kind of, you know how you can be in a cloud or in the midst of something and you're fogged in your thinking? I definitely was fogged. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the wisdom word, um, especially being in Christ. Um, right. Ha- having your identity truly rooted in that. Um really helps out in, in situations like this because it gets like she said earlier it gets like dark and lonely and like you mm-hmm. just you get in your own head about all these different things and you know and then you start comparing yourself to other people and just you know becoming envious and all these other things so it's very important to have him as a your focus so we're going through this. It's a year and a half and it's year and seven months, year and eight months. And I think at some point we kind of like relaxed a little bit and chilled. We had a, we paid off our debt in March. This was March of 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It goes back to the money episode. Yeah. If you guys heard that already. We paid off our debt in March and we were chill about the baby thing. We we're just celebra- celebrating and just chill I I know that I really really wasn't stressed about the situation I think I had let it go and I kind of went through waves of like caring a lot and then I'd be like okay we're just cool and then caring 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 and then I went through waves of up and down and March was definitely a I'm cool month Yeah. and that was the month for us yeah that was the month we became pregnant yeah yeah it was (laughs) it was the same month we paid off that 45k we put the final um, payment down and I just felt like I just wanted to eat like seven scrambled eggs a day constantly with onions in them (laughs) and I was working I was teaching and I was with uh, one of the ladies there and I like made breakfast and had these giant onion chunks and these scrambled eggs. And I was like, man, I normally don't eat breakfast and I'm just going ham. And I was like, yeah, I got these onions in here. It is so good. And she was like, you could be pregnant. <laughs> and I, I don't remember when I knew I was pregnant, but I did know it was like, it was a knowing my body was doing different stuff, but I had kind of cried wolf so many times. My husband didn't believe me. <laughs> and I remember I had my mom and my sister over one day and I had bought some Vienna sausages from the dollar store and I had made ramen noodles and put Vienna sausages <laughs> in I mean, the ramen noodles. we were that broke, but we wasn't we, that broke at the same time. I just wanted to know, <laughs> like, there was a little girl that I taught and she literally ate Vienna sausages every day for lunch. Yeah. And I thought to myself let me try this out and I thought to myself let me put this in she took them from the little girl (laughs) and my sister and my mom were just looking at me in disgust and they're like you know you could be pregnant and I was like nah I knew I was a little bit but we officially got that positive test on April 1 it was Mm -hmm. resurrection Sunday we had a great celebratory time at church and then we came home and took a test and we had a positive pregnancy test. Yes. And we had a praise praise break. Like we literally Oh yeah. 
We I remember that. <laughs> literally, we're just praising the Lord. Um, it was such a joyful moment. Right. It was so joyful. And um, I had gone to the doctor, I don't know, maybe six to maybe a year prior to this. And the doctor told me, he was like, you could probably try for 10 years to get pregnant and never get pregnant on your own. Saying that I would need medicine. Remember when he said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were just ecstatic. We were jumping for joy. We were worshiping. We were praising the Lord. We were thankful. Um, It was just the culmination of a year and like eight months, nine months. Yeah, even more backstory because during this time, it was... It was a lot going on. It was it was a lot of good things. Like, we paid off the debt and everything and a few other cool things going on. But it was also a lot of other struggles going on. Like, my dad got, like, real sick mm-hmm. during that time. And so it was just heavy on me mm-hmm. at the time. And um, it was some other stuff going on. I had some horrible work stuff going on. but uh, Yeah, and some deaths in the family. Yeah, we had a lot of deaths in the family over a span of... Like a uh, just year. just a year from yeah. 2017 to 18, it was it was just a lot. So that that and uh, getting the pre- pregnant positive pregnancy test was like just a it was really it was really timely too. And in my mind, I had considered because this was really challenging for me the whole like getting pregnant thing. It was really challenging for me and for my faith. And in my mind. I had this idea in my mind, like the hard part is over. This, the hard part was getting pregnant and I didn't even consider that anything would happen to the baby. I, I just was so confident. I was just joyful and I was like, this was it and we've made it and thank you Lord and we're moving and you know, sometimes when people are pregnant, they have like a fear of miscarriage. I really didn't fear it. I didn't have a fear. Um, But that was our segment one, our journey to pregnancy. Yeah. We'll be right back after this. Young, Black, and Married is sponsored by 2020 Sheep Productions. If you are in need of a photographer or videographer to capture your finest moments, call 2020 Sheep Productions at 901-295-8435 or log on to 2020sheep.com. 2020 Sheep Productions, meeting all of your visual needs. Located in the tri-state area. Welcome back, YBM listeners. Welcome back. Yep. So we are starting segment two. Before segment two, we have a wisdom word for the ladies. This really is universal, but blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Segment two, um, starting up, and this segment is when we are going to go into the story of the miscarriage Mm-hmm. Um, so we left off segment one talking about the pregnancy and um, honestly I became a research guru I feel like I, <laughs> I could have gotten a medical bachelor's degree mm-hmm. during the time that I was just researching everything about um, the baby I wanted to know every stage i wanted to know every what was happening every day what was changing i just wanted to know everything i wanted to know what i needed to be eating and it was just an exciting stage mind you i had insomnia so i was up in the wee hours in the morning and my husband probably doesn't even know i just be on my phone reading articles oh i knew I could not sleep. Yeah, she just yeah. <laughs> she when she when she gets on something new, especially of this magnitude, she's gonna look heavily into it. Yes. <laughs> and then I was nauseous and I was working, but I was also encouraged by the nausea because I read also nausea can be a good sign that everything's going as it should be. So I had my lemon by the bed and I was eating Wendy's and (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, super excited, super nauseous, 
super sleepy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my husband was bringing me any and everything I needed. Whatever she wanted, you got it. I mean, you already got that anyhow, but you, you know, you had it on. Uh, I guess a a speedy service then too yes (laughs) Um, I would literally come home from work drop my work bag lay on the couch go to sleep yep like sleep (laughs) demand three Wendy's burgers (laughs) when you wake up wake up eat them and then go to the bed and go to sleep (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, how were you feeling during that time big I was feeling pretty good Um, I was just I was just, because you're already hilarious, and it was just interesting, you know, watching you like that. And uh, I was just feeling hopeful, just excited. It was like, okay, this is doing it. Like, she's about to get big, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but it was in a good way. Like, I was like, okay, I like this. Yeah. We decided to do a midwife, so we went and interviewed a midwife. Yep. Got her picked out. And um, because I've always wanted a home birth, so that was already, we already got that picked out and we were gonna put her on installments. We were like five weeks in, just on top of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) everything was lined up. We were just waiting on time to pass by, really. Yeah, and everything picked out. It was around this time that one of my really dear friends called me up and she was like, yo, I'm having a baby too. Or she didn't even know I was pregnant, actually. So she tells me um, she's having a baby. And I bust out laughing. I could not believe it. I really could not believe it. And I told her, I was like, are you serious? I'm pregnant too. We literally got pregnant the same month. And our babies had a due date that was like within a day or two of each other. Um... I just thought that was just so fun. Right. So she and I became like buddies and we text back and forth like, how are you feeling? I'm trying lemon for nausea. What are you doing? It was just, (laughs) it was kind of a sweet thing to um, have someone to go through it with. And, um, and she's, she's literally a really good friend of mine. So we talked all the time anyway. So it just was fun and it wasn't planned. Um, We had been trying for like, a year, almost two years at that point, and yeah, she was like, "This is yeah, it was just fun, right?" Um, and so we we were on this train and living this way for a while. Um, positive, I had no fear of miscarriage until uh, one day I could tell something wasn't right. Um, one day I had like spotting. And um, I called up my midwife and she's like, okay, that's probably okay. It's probably normal. Um, All my ladies that have had um, this happen to them know, like the doctors say, if it's pink, it's probably, if it's dark, it's okay. If it's pink, okay. But if it's like bright and it's like a dark red, then that's when you're really concerned. Um, And so I saw that, but I still wasn't concerned because, you know, I looked it up and everyone online was like, um, and the midwife kind of confirmed it too. If it's not dark, you're, you're probably good. Um, but I think a seed of doubt kind of got in my brain at that point though, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I told Justin about it. Um, do you remember when I told you like what you were feeling? Um, I was still holding, holding firm. I was just like, it's going to be okay. We mm-hmm. got it. Um, it's just, it's nothing to worry about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so continuing on, um, I believe this was within the same week. Um, the weekend came, mm-hmm. and this is when my heart wrenched in my chest because it wasn't dark anymore. It was like bright red spotting, and that's the one that everyone, that you know, the midwife and um, people basically say, okay, worry a little bit about that. And so um, my heart kind of turned in my chest, and it was like I knew at that point but I didn't know but um I had thought also I'm I'm a dreamer I dream a lot and I also thought it was strange that I hadn't dreamed about the baby yeah um I just you know it wasn't anything that I was gonna hold on to but I just thought it was strange that I hadn't dreamed about anything baby during that whole um pregnancy time so when I called up the midwife this time she said um 
you know, it's probably still okay. You know, I was like, do I go to the emergency room? Um, I don't know if you've ever been in this position, but she was like, you know, you probably just want to go on Monday to your doctor because emergency room, they really don't help too much. And it's a long wait. It's uncomfortable. So, so Monday morning, we went to our doctor's office and we're waiting in the lobby. I just felt, I didn't feel well. I didn't feel, it wasn't physically that I didn't feel well. I just didn't feel like things were right at this point like in a intuition sense how did you feel um i felt okay um i was still hopeful and and i was just trying to remain strong for you for you but it was like a looming thought in my head of just like this just something just not good and i was just you know i was just hoping for the best but i wasn't getting the best i don't know vibes if you will Mm mm-hmm so we go into the doctor's office. We have an ultrasound. Mind you, at this point, we're about seven weeks in. We, six to seven weeks, we have an ultrasound. And the ultrasound looks, and I'm looking at the ultrasound, and I've seen them on YouTube, right? And she's just looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. And I'm looking as well. And she goes, well... I don't see anything here. So she said, um, and this is medical. She's like, I see the gestational yeah. sack, but I don't see the baby inside of it. Mm-hmm. It was just empty. And she said it was measuring like nine, nine weeks, but it was empty. And, you know, I, you're full of questions. Like I, I had done my research, but I still didn't understand. I was like, you know, well, what does that mean? And um, she said, um, there most likely isn't a baby. And I just remember my whole, like, I just felt everything just shattered at that moment. It was like. Yeah. It was. I We both got silent. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was almost like a movie. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was like a movie. It was just, it was just, you know, gut-wrenching, and I, that was the maddest I've been since we've been married, and I was so mad at that, um, the tech, whatever, the um, ultrasound tech, but it wasn't her fault. Right. But I was just... I feel I had so much anger towards her for like, you know, I guess delivering that news, but that's what we wanted. We wanted to know what was going on, but yeah, it was, it was rough. Yeah. I just felt this pit in my throat and I'm not the biggest crier. And I just felt this pit, like, you know, where you just can't swallow. And so she's like, I'm going to give you all some time. Then the doctor's going to come in here and we literally just, I don't even remember. Yeah. It was a blur. It, it was really like, was. I didn't know what to do. Because here I am, I'm thinking, I'm nauseous, I'm, like, literally sick. She she still has, she was still going through pregnancy symptoms. All of them, like, and they were extreme and difficult. And I'm like, what do you mean there's no baby? Um, The doctor comes in, and he says, basically, um, um, you know, conception took place, and once conception takes place, the embryo or the, I think it's a zygote at that time. I'm not great with the terms. It splits and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And at some point it stopped multiplying, but my body never got the signal that it didn't. And so my body kept growing as if I were pregnant still. Mm-hmm. So I was, I had everything that a person that was seven, six, seven, eight weeks pregnant would have. And I had the symptoms. I had it was all the only thing that wasn't there was the embryo inside functioning and growing correctly or the baby growing correctly. And I just I couldn't even fathom like Yeah, it was even hard to like listen and like think straight. I was I mean, you know, and this time as a man you trying to be strong and like be caring and have the words, but it's just Yeah, it was it was rough for me. It was really rough. 
So we leave with this news and, you know, I did my research and I saw that in some cases the baby's just not seen. You know, he said, come back in two weeks and they would do another ultrasound. And so um, I had a little bit of hope, but at the same time, I didn't. I didn't. Um, That, like, I came home and that's pretty much when the, like, grieving started. And... That's pretty much when I just kind of went into my world. <laughs> um, I I have never cried so consistently. Like it just literally, it literally feels and felt like we just lost a child. It did. Yeah. It, because, you know, and there's even studies that show like when it comes to miscarriage, like you grieve hard. You grieve really hard. And, 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 you know, sometimes people can think, well, you were only this many weeks and someone else might be 20 weeks and you were this many weeks and that many weeks. And it's kind of like, you know, it's not a comparison game. It's like you're allowed to feel your pain. Right. And I felt a lot of pain. I think I was grieving the time it took. I was grieving the baby. I was grieving our hopes. I was grieving so much. We hadn't even told anyone other than my mom that we were pregnant because it was so early. Yeah, it was really early. And um, I had planned on telling the family at Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mother's Day was like three or three, three weeks out and he hadn't told his parents yet. I at least got to tell my mom and like we were joyful together for that moment. But it was it was rough. It was really rough. I definitely, I definitely retreated. Yeah. That was one of the lowest of the lows right there. It was. And what was challenging was you got to go to work. You know, you got to get up. You got to put on face. And you got to go to work. I think I took a few days off work and then I was back at work and everybody's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't tell my coworkers and I didn't want to because I didn't want to lose it at work. So I just kind of held it in and kept it to myself mm-hmm. for some weeks. And um, how are you? How are you handling it? Yeah, um, I was really just really confused. I didn't I just didn't know what to do. You know, initially I was trying to be that, you know, superhero husband and you know give her all the scripture all the words and like it's gonna be okay but at that moment she just needed you know a, a, a best friend and she needed me to like love her through it and just be there with her because i mean I, and i was i was i was hurt too but i didn't i being a man a lot of us don't know how to know how to really handle our emotions so I didn't really handle it that well or didn't handle it but um before before this happened I definitely knew that men are different than women and um not to try to portray my pain on him and make him feel the pain the way I felt it yeah but it was very challenging for me because every literally every night I was hysterical crying every single night she cried she cried herself to sleep for about six months straight something like that I think yeah it was around like six months and I I don't remember the exact date but I I remember I mean I guess we could talk about this next segment but I remember the the first day clearly that she didn't cry going to sleep and how good I felt watching her yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was rough. And as a man, it's it's hard, especially after you know so many days and weeks and months go by. Seeing your wife, you know, she's just you know kind of at a loss. I mean, she's just crying, and it's you feel defeated. You feel like you're not doing what you need to do as a man, and all these other things. So. So, yeah. And so I felt at first I was like, well, does he not care? Because he wasn't crying. Like, like I couldn't take it. And I was just crying and I was a mess. And I was shocked that he wasn't a mess. 
and he was giving me encouragement and like it's gonna be okay and I'm like well no like we're we went through this together like are you feeling yeah. this with me I felt alone I think yeah it wasn't that I want him I didn't want him to feel as bad as I did but I wanted to cry with you you know right and to just that was that was bes- that was my second I told her I told Ariel this recently not well not too long ago that that was my second greatest failure as a husband to her besides like not nourishing her spiritually well at times um just not being there for her like she truly needed as a friend and just being there beside her instead of like trying to like necessarily just counsel 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 and like talk you know mm-hmm. and um not asking how she's feeling like you know intentionally and like just really getting uh deep with her i mean i know why you didn't ask me because it's obvious how i'm feeling i'm crying every night right yeah so i guess you were like well you know obvious and then also well yeah but you you, you just needed like you say, you just needed somebody to feel with you. So it's just... Yeah. I, I was... You know, I just... I don't handle my emotions well. And I just never was that good of working through them. So it was even like a bigger shock. Because this is like one of the biggest things I've ever experienced. The biggest losses I've ever experienced. So I just didn't know what to do. I was just blowing in the wind, kind yeah. of. I was just winging it. But I will say this, guys, honestly, when you go through something, it shows you the character that the character of the person you're with. You know, he just said what he said. But honestly, Justin was a like my rock. Like he was supportive. He was. He would he was giving me what I you know, if I needed something, he would get it. He like he. I was a mess, y'all. I was a mess. I wasn't, um, you know, if it's if it's a hundred hundred, I wasn't given a hundred. I was like, <laughs> and he completely gave a hundred fifty. You know, um, he served me like so deeply and loved me so deeply, and never once was like, stop, get over this. You know, I he he just was there, and I just. That whole experience, it just, when I think about him and how he loved me at that time, in the middle of it, I wanted him to cry with me, yes. But what he did do was so encouraging and so helpful and he was so loving and it showed me who he was. It showed me the man that I married and it showed me his character. Um, Yeah, it it was challenging, but I saw like, in the fire I saw his gold like you know I saw the gold in the fire um and I was a mess that's all (laughs) that's all I can say really I felt like um I felt like I was just in a black hole and uh, I was getting through the work day I was a teacher at that point so I was literally just getting through the day loving my kids trying to get everything done and going home and just falling apart. Um, at first, the only people that knew was um, my, I told my best friend or my friend that was pregnant at the same time as I was. Um, I told her and, um, you know, she was very supportive. My mom knew and my sister knew and Justin's parents knew. But for a while, that was just it. And we were just, just, surviving and doing what we could do um slowly I started speaking to more people about it and I that is definitely the next segment um but we were in this place for a while I was in this place for a while and while I was in the middle of it I was listening to podcasts that's part of why I felt the just desire to tell my story I was listening there was this podcast called miscarriage something and I would just listen to them I would listen to them. I would listen to them. Mm. And I would hear other women's stories. And I heard some women that had a similar story to me. And 
that gave me a sense of comfort just hearing stories and and they all would you know give encouragement and they told their stories of how they did have a baby after how they didn't and um that gave me a lot of comfort um, during that time so i was reading and researching still and yeah that was that season yeah it's a rough season but um long suffering is a part of life mm-hmm. and marriage and um yeah that's segment two segment three when we come back What's up, everybody? We're back. Hello. Wisdom word for segment three. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 through 8. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So segment three is about um, how... How to love those struggling with infertility or miscarriages. Yeah. Ooh, this is a booger. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things um, in our journey that was a little interesting, we didn't tell many people initially what happened. Um, but as a little bit of time went on, um, I began to open up in my personal life to a few people. Um, I remember telling... Um, a family member and it kind of and some friends and I think something that kind of surprised me was that um, people didn't really ask about it or ask how are you? How are you doing since the miscarriage? How are you feeling? And I understand it's because people don't want to pry and people don't want to say the wrong thing. But yeah. I also think this is not necessarily this is not necessarily saying people are bad, but sometimes people just don't see it as a big deal. Right. They just yeah. don't. And they don't get it. Yeah. Because either you don't necessarily care about like, you know, pregnancy and baby like that, or you just see it as a sickness. Yeah. Yeah. Like a cold. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. <laughs> I um I remember growing up hearing stories of people that had miscarriages and I thought like okay that's something that happened I don't necessarily remember hearing the emotional side of the people telling me yeah and I was so wrecked and it hurt me this I didn't hear that side I just heard yeah I've had three or I've had one and and so for my mind it was kind of a disconnect mm. And it happened and it literally felt like I lost my child, which I did. And I was wrecked. And so I, I I like to be prepared and I just wasn't prepared. You know, I mean, can you ever be prepared for things like this? Yeah. Um, but when I did tell the people I told, often I'd just be met with a blank stare or, oh, I'm so sorry. And then silence. Um, and at this point, I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to I wanted to tell my story because, you know, as a woman and I'm a verbal processor, when you go through something, you want a listening ear. And I'm very like observant. And I if someone if I'm engaging in a conversation with someone, I like wait on the cues of like, what happened? Tell me more. And so when I just got, Oh, I'm so sorry. And nothing else. Like I didn't go on to volunteer the information. Yeah. Um, I got that. Um, one person gave flowers, but never mentioned it again. And to this day hasn't mentioned it. And I, I didn't realize that that might've been a big deal until we went to counseling one time about this. And the counselor said, Oh, I'm so sorry that that happened. And I didn't even realize, like, oh, that is kind of a big deal because, you know, they didn't ask again. They didn't even say, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Or, And honestly, they probably didn't even know you we were struggling with infertility. 
And like I said, I'm not necessarily an open book, but if I'm doing life with someone, like, yeah, you're welcome to ask. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I actually like questions. Yeah, we both do. Mm-hmm. Um... So as I was at work, majority of my coworkers had no idea what happened. I told my boss and I told maybe two or three people at my job as time went on. Um, and people were, you know, they were like, oh, you know, they they were kind of supportive. They were supportive. But I, I will remember this one woman. She gave a word. Sometimes you're in a place when you just need a word. Something. You just need something that's got substance to it. Something. You need something more than, oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I've heard that. Um, well, it just wasn't God's timing. I've heard that. Um, well, just don't try. It'll happen again. Um, after a miscarriage, you're super fertile. You'll have a baby real soon. So sometimes you just need something more, something of substance. And I was like, I, we mentioned, I was at the bottom. I'm crying every night. I'm like in despair and I'm just a mess. And this woman literally said to me, feel what you're feeling. Feel, allow yourself to feel everything fully but don't get stuck there. Mm. Have hope because hope will get you out of it. Mm, mm, mm. So she said, feel it. You, and that was something because I didn't, you know, it. the words that people give you are usually very dismissive of your feelings. And it actually kind of sometimes, especially if they stack up, it kind of makes it worse. Yes, absolutely. And it's dismissive. It's like, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. Well, when you say that to someone, you're... It's like, well, your feeling about your baby dying is, well, it's almost like you had a husband and they die and someone says, well, at least you know you can be a wife and be married. Or you can, or at least, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just not, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone out there that that has encouraged. It was not helpful for me. No. At all. And so um, her saying that, it just... It gave me like an idea. She was like, just feel what you're feeling. Right. You've got to feel it because if you don't feel it now, it's going to come out in other places. Allow yourself to feel the emotions, to feel the pain. Feel it, but don't get stuck there. When you get stuck there is when depression can take you and just drag you down. She was like, you have to have hope and you have to have hope because the hope will pull you out. And I remember her saying that, and I it was just what I needed. And it was and it was someone at my job that honestly I didn't even speak to that much. But it was a different word. Right. It was, you know, I had heard like, God's got a plan. It was a wisdom word. Yeah, it was a real was, wisdom word. Yes, it was different and it spoke directly to my situation and it planted a seed of just life, hope. It just helped. Um, because I, I had gotten so much just fluff, I guess. And um, thank you. I don't know if she'll hear this. I have to like message her. She doesn't live in the city anymore, but. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to her. Shout out to her. Um, <laughs> this is um, probably went in the last segment, but what compounded my grief a little bit because it seemed like every time I was about to come out of yeah. my depression mm-hmm. um, I found out that someone else was pregnant yeah so at the beginning my my good friend um, like I said she was pregnant and she would have been the one that I would have gone to like about this miscarriage like consistently I would have gone to her and talked to her yeah but I didn't want to go to her because she was pregnant and I didn't want to be a downer of her pregnancy I wanted her to feel joy and happiness in her pregnancy and I didn't want to be the downer or put any bad vibes on her so I kind of retreated from her a bit during this time yeah um I won't forget on Mother's Day that was the day that we were going to announce to all of our family that we were pregnant. Right. And um, that's when I found out that my sister was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And we were out. You're in your sister-in-law. Yeah, I found out about her the next day. Yeah. And we were out, and then she announced it. And I just remember, like, I was in public, and I just wanted to just crumble 
but I couldn't crumble because I was in public and I was happy for her. But it just hurt me so bad. It was just a reminder. And this was literally like a few weeks after we lost our baby. Um, And that, it was just crushing. And then after that, the next day I found out my sister-in-law was pregnant. And mind you, all of these pregnancies were probably within three weeks of, three to four weeks of the due date that I, that was for our baby. And so literally it was pretty much the three women that I probably would have gone to for advice or really just spoken to about what I was going through. My good friend, my sister, my sister-in-law, and they were all pregnant. And so it just kind of shut me off. Like I just, I almost felt like I didn't have anyone because I didn't want to be that Debbie Downer. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and around that time, and honestly, still to this day, for me, I get the remnants of it still. It's just been terribly, terribly hard to be excited for people's pregnancies and babies. Um, For myself, uh, it's... Because like I said earlier, like when we was trying to get pregnant, everybody was popping up. When we was pregnant, everybody was popping up. And after we had the miscarriage, people were still popping up. And I'm a person that likes to like rejoice, especially my friends, like, you know, family. You know, I love that new life because, you know, if you know me, you know, I love kids. And I just, you know, I want to like rejoice and like cheer them on and like give gifts but I honestly (laughs) I I can't I don't have I been happy for anybody's pregnancy recently I don't I'm not too sure if I genuinely like overjoyed like I normally would and that's been a struggle for sure I think that's harder for you now than it is for me yeah because I at this point I've gotten to a place to where I like, you know, those babies that were born around the time that our baby was due. I really rejoice over those children. There's three of them. Yeah. And I love those children and really rejoice over them. And I get to spend a lot of time with them. And it really brings joy to my heart. So um, I think that was that's more of a struggle that you're having. Yeah. Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely it's definitely my struggle. And I love those kids, too. Not yeah. saying I don't. <laughs> Because I love, love the, the heck uh, out of those. Yeah, babies. they're they're they are awesome. They're awesome. Um. So yeah, um, mentioned a little bit about the things that was said to us. So what is helpful to hear, and what honestly I haven't really heard much of. And mind you, this miscarriage was a year ago, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much a year ago. A year ago. It's a little over a year ago. Um. But if you have friends that are dealing with infertility or miscarriage. Or if you, okay, this is Justin's piece. If you know a married couple and you know they want children and you know they've been saying that they wanted children for at least a, at least a year, my advice to be the most considerate is to not ask them, hey, when are y'all having kids? Or are y'all trying for kids? Because sometimes they could be in a real struggle, a.k.a. AKA infertility, or they could be in, they could have had a miscarriage, or they could have like a real, you know, I guess, disagreement about it. So um, just think about it, especially if you've heard it before from, from their mouths or if you know for sure, you know. Just uh, just think about it. Right. And this is personal, so I know not everyone feels how I feel. Yeah, not maybe everybody to feels. Someone that, this, this is our story. Yeah, maybe to someone that idea or that saying, you know, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. Maybe that's helpful to someone. It just isn't to me, and I don't feel like it is. I've heard that from a lot of different women. But something, this is my opinion, that had um, people in my life said this to me would have been helpful while I was going through it. And I did my friend that was pregnant um, and has a beautiful baby girl that I love. Mm -hmm. um, She asked me and she checked in on me and she really was the only one, honestly, that consistently checked in on me to concerning this. Like she would specifically ask me about this. And so something that is good is... 
how are you feeling? Mm. <coughs> I'm sorry. How are you feeling? And for me, I wanted someone to ask me about my miscarriage. I did. Um, because I wanted to tell the story. And what I found was that the majority of people were afraid. Um, but that, how are you feeling? I would have been like, well, I feel like this. And I'm. Uh, that just would have been good. And also, it's one of those things that they can say, I feel fine. And just, it's over, you know. I just want to know if somebody cares, honestly. To, yes. to even just mention it because are you okay you know if you know you know if you know someone is dealing with infertility maybe don't ask when are you gonna have kids ask are you okay are you doing okay in the process and if they want to go deeper they can if they don't they won't right um what's on your mind for me i would have appreciated hey do you have any next steps just being a listening ear and letting them know, or if you want to talk, I'm here. Right. And mean it. So lots of times people will ask, when do you want to have kids? But are they really going to sit there and, and listen to you tell the story about your infertility and miscarriage journey? Will they really do that? You know? So if you're going to go there, be willing to have a listening ear and a supportive ear. Right. What was not helpful, in my opinion... Miscarriages are very common. That is a fact, but it's also a fact that can feel very dismissive of your emotions. So um, you're, you've just bled and you've just had cramps and gone through um, contractions yeah. to dispel or, you know, to go through this miscarriage. And, you know, you tell someone and then they say, well, they're very common. And it kind of just diminishes your physical pain and your emotional pain. So not helpful, in my opinion. Um, At least, you know, you can get pregnant. Not helpful, in my opinion. Not helpful at all. Or being very harsh or uncaring. Um, Think of this person as someone in mourning. Yeah. Loss loss yeah if you feel led to enter into that place with them grieve with them be be with them like uh, a great thing to do is not saying not saying to do this for us but a great thing to do kind of similar to what i was saying when i hear how i used used to hear when people tell me that they're pregnant you know you almost want to rejoice for them but you know also want to serve them a lot of the times, um, you see it all the time, especially, I don't know how it is for everybody else, but, <laughs> and uh, what I'm used to in my African-American family culture, <laughs> when there's a funeral, there's a lot of serving going towards the family that just, you know, lost somebody, or, you know, there's tons of food, there's, you know, whatever you need, I got it, kind of, kind of going on for those next couple weeks um not saying you need to do that exact same thing but like service will help especially if you don't have words mm-hmm. um allow yourself if you are in this situation allow yourself time to heal and and don't feel bad for saying no to situations that might be triggering i remember after i got the news Shortly after, I was in charge of my sister-in-law's baby shower to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the planning committee. And um, I remember my husband was like, do you want to go? Are you going to go? And I did go. And I went and I served at the baby shower and smiled. And she didn't know about the miscarriage. She didn't know until like a, six months, a year later. Yeah. And I just, I felt because I had committed to it that I was going to do it. But later on, there was another baby shower, and I just said no. I, I said no. I couldn't do it. Um, and just not to feel bad about it. Don't feel bad. It's not your fault. If you're going through this, it's not your fault. Mm. Just just know that. That's, that's a wisdom word. That's a lasting wisdom word. It is not your fault. Mm. Where we are now, um, my hope after the miscarriage was what I had been told of you're really fertile after a miscarriage you'll get pregnant really soon and so I was waiting and hoping and so 
month after month after month after month after month after month after month went by and so we're a year after the miscarriage and we are still actively trying for a baby and haven't conceived yet so altogether I think the whole process we're right about like a thousand days over a thousand days um in our TTC trying to conceive journey um and Mother's Day just happened and this was actually the first time that I told my sister-in-law about my miscarriage was yet um yesterday yesterday was Mother's Day um and she said the sweetest thing she said well you are a mom we should be celebrating you and that was just the sweetest word. And so... And it came from literally like one of the sweetest per- people ever. Yeah. So, so it was if, so fitting. If you have gone through <laughs> um, infant loss, miscarriage, you are a mom. You should be celebrated. And um, you're loved. And hang in there and email us. We'd love to reach out and contact any of you guys. Um, we really wanted to tell our story to encourage someone else and to just love on someone else through minister through our story so we really hope that this has encouraged someone and um maybe help someone get through their situation yes god is so good he um he brought us through a mighty long way literally mm-hmm. a mighty long way and we this time last year we had no idea we would be where we are now mm-hmm. like he is so good, y'all, and a lot of y'all know how good he is, but mm-hmm. ooh, he's he's very good. And um He's brought so much healing. Yeah, he's brought he's brought a lot of healing to our relationship and to a lot of heart healing. concerning this area and Yeah. We're at a good place. We're we're at a really good place. Yeah. Really good place. Um continue to um well pray for us. Um, as we we're out, we're still on this journey. We're not necessarily ending this episode with a surprise, <laughs> um, but um, this is still an ongoing journey for us. Pray for us. Um, we hope that this episode was helpful for you. If you have any questions or comments uh, about this episode, email us at ybm901 at gmail.com or catch us on any of our socials. Young Black and Married. YBM901. Young Black and Married. Thanks, guys, for listening. We love you. Love you. Peace out.